Welcome back to the Cult House Podcast. I'm your host, the scholar of spite and the Saturday Night Delight, Roger Riddell. Joining me today, he is the man behind the post-industrial punk metal gaze project Lotus Thrones, the former drummer of Wolfhammer, and one hell of a tattoo artist. He is Heath Rave. How are you doing today, Heath? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, you mentioned before we started that uh, you're eating ice cream, mm-hmm. and it, uh, it just reminded me that... Um, Last year when I was first thinking about, or maybe this was like late 2020, uh, it was whenever I was doing a little bit of freelance work for Revolver, uh, mm-hmm. and I was still thinking about launching this podcast, uh, they had asked me at one point, uh, that somehow we had started to talk about podcasts, and I had like jokingly pitched them the idea of, um, you're familiar with Hot, uh, hot Ones, right? No. Oh, so it's this, uh, it's like this interview show that, uh, complex does where, uh, they have different, uh, celebrities being interviewed while they're eating progressively hotter wings until they get to <laughs> like one that's like a million Scovilles. So is that on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can watch this. Yeah. It's fucking famous people too. Yeah. There's like 17 seasons of it. Oh, I'm going to do this. This Here's this question guy asked. Can I say fuck? Yeah. All right, cool. All right, good. <laughs> so, that's literally like been the first thing of every podcast I've done. I'm like, because I'd say fuck a lot, dude. So, <laughs> see, I had, I had like thought of that show and I jokingly pitched to Revolver uh, this idea to do a show that was called Ice Cream Eating Motherfuckers, where it's just interviewing like really tough, like metal and hardcore looking dudes. Mm-hmm. And while they're eating ice cream and giving themselves brain freeze. And uh, <laughs> they they never replied to me about it. So uh, I, I guess they, they thought they I guess the joke, like they didn't think it was a funny joke. I think it's, they took it. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think you should do it while they have to talk about all their non metal influences. <laughs> yeah i mean it's up um, to a lie detector <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the the name itself i think is just kind of like a deep cut at this point as far as references go because you have to know the whole fugazi thing but uh yeah totally yeah <laughs> 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 see i think the um we were, we were also talking about uh the last time that we would have run into each other and i think that um the last time that i talked to you was like 2017 i was up in chicago when you were still there uh, and i was seeing metallica at soldier field and i think we had like gone back and forth on facebook about the pop-up shop that they had downtown yeah because i was gonna we were gonna go um yeah because it was father's day it was actually father's day and like my wife and i were just like because i was just like it was my first father's day too and like I was like, man, because I honestly think that fucking um, Hardwired actually could have been a really fucking great EP, dude. 
like a really really good ep like let's put out the five really good songs off here and then everybody else shut the fuck up dude so i kind of <laughs> wanted to see it dude so but like and i wasn't gonna go like sit in the nosebleeds i was like if i'm gonna go i'm gonna buy like the 400 tickets you know because it's father's day it's metallica i i, I unapologetically love that band i even like some bad talica like unapologetically too i'm not fucking sorry about it so and i like i actually me being a, a mediocre drummer with kind of really bad timing who used to really love cocaine like i gotta i kind of like lars I, I respect the dude he's i know what it's like to be a piece of shit and not have anybody like you you know <laughs> the only difference is is like i can do mediocre blast beats and he can't so <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, I, we, um... I never could begrudge Lars for the fact that like they hit that like peak of being a technical band on Injustice for All. Mm -hmm. And after that tour, they're just kind of like, we don't want to do all these complex time signature changes every night. Let's just be Motorhead. Yeah. And like they, his drum, I feel like, I don't know, me and, um, it was out at me and me and Liam from Dillinger Escape Plan and John Frum we have breakfast like every other week or so it's like dad breakfast. And like, we were talking about how actually like for being not that great, he's got swag with it. It's very lyrical, especially like the black album stuff. Like it, it, uh, it's got some, like, I don't know to it. We like it, but we also don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, his, Um, his undersung talent is that he's great at arranging songs. That's true. Very much, dude. Like, yeah, um, that's my undersung talent, too. That's why I started. I arranged a lot of the Wolfhammer stuff, actually. I was the until Jeff came in because Jeff's a fucking amazing songwriter. I didn't have to do anything to rein him in. But like before that, trying to get a nice like verse chorus first structure, like I was usually the one cracking the whip on that shit in that band. So and I wrote I mean, like I wrote a, a portion of lyrics and like lyric arrangements and shit too so i loved that pop-up though did you get to go to the pop-up yeah yeah because they had stuff at the pop-up that they didn't have at the actual show yeah i got that um i got that live at webster hall double vinyl there and i actually got a pretty sick shirt too but like a new metallica shirt but it wasn't like it really wasn't cheesy at all so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, tough, uh, which is tough for them because they're so out of touch and old dude yeah they uh they hit this point i think right around uh death magnetic or hardwired where they realized that the majority of their fan base still just really loves the puss head designs so now yep. they'll like half of their new stuff is like stuff that looks like puss head and the other half is just like the kind of cheesy stuff yeah totally because you st- they still have to you know they have the um they have the magma quotient that they have to have merch for at their shows, you know? So <laughs> I actually hear James is kind of like a dude like that, actually. Yeah. He's um, I've always heard he's got some kind of like libertarian leaning kind of thing going on, but uh, I think like the other dudes in the band are a little bit more on the, uh, the totally. left center. <laughs> range. Totally. Yeah. I hear he's got like a really big problem with like hip hop and rap music too, actually. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, he's, he's a fucking hillbilly for sure, dude. Like, look at that dude. Remember that? He, he's still a hillbilly. <laughs> that mustache man. Come on. 
So what are you, what's this thing? Tell me about this podcast. Like, I just like, so here was the thing was like, I um deleted my Facebook a couple years ago now, like completely deleted it. But back when we moved away from Chicago, before we moved to Pennsylvania, we moved back to my home. And I got like, I just was like, it was like shortly after 2016. And I just like, couldn't, I, I didn't like knowing the things about people that I loved that I was seeing. So it was just like, ignorance is bliss. I'm going to shut this fucking thing off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I turned it back on so I could have a business profile like a year and a half ago or so. So I've been slowly getting back all my old friends on there. But I um, got now that I'm back in a band and all that and I'm in Philly, I have a decibel subscription again. And I was taking a crap the other day. And who do I see in a sexy red leather jacket staring at me? <laughs> Roger Riddell. And I was like, oh, fuck, he was one of my favorite Facebook friends and one of my favorite people that I ever met in Chicago. I'm going to add him. And then I'm like, wait, then I add you. And then I see I'm like, oh, you got a podcast thing. So tell me about your podcast. What's the what, where, where are we getting into? anything yeah so it's it's basically just uh talking to uh musicians comic artists uh oh, cool. comic writers just uh, any kind of people who are doing uh stuff that i think is like interesting or whatever uh about whatever it is that they're working on and like anything else that comes to mind so it's just kind of like Ooh. a long form conversational podcast i love it i love that yeah, I've done. This is my third podcast, and I always have a blast. I love doing them. I'm. I like. I was telling. I was talking to my publicist. We are like, we're. St I have so many releases coming out, and like I have these ideas that I want to do, and like, so we um we're doing like some strategy stuff, and I like I'm like I want to get on these podcasts. So I have this like list of podcasts I want to get on actually too. So, so I'm just you know stoked to be here thank you i'm a leo i love talking about myself Come on. <laughs> you know I was, uh, I was glad that you reached out uh because i was um every now and then i listened to uh clawing into black sun and uh so like I've, i just always have like people from chicago on my mind anyways because i'm like in the process cool. of moving back up there later in the spring oh you are uh, cool yeah because i'm in the dc area right now like i've been out yeah. here for about eight years or so um, um but uh side note because i knew that um my um you might maybe this is a stupid joke but my ice cream was eureka lemon with marion berries <laughs> <laughs> get out that crack pipe buddy <laughs> hey, he's, he's the, still, he's the he one still a local legend uh i assume so i mean he's the one politician that the, the prove that any of us could uh become the mayor if we wanted to aside from that dude in toronto <laughs> awesome yeah so yeah uh i checked out the lotus throne tracks that you sent me oh yeah the ones and, that are coming uh, out those are those aren't even mixed or mastered at all so, so. yeah yeah because you gave me that caveat when you sent them and i was thinking about that while i was listening to them and even still, like I've really dug uh, what I heard uh, just out of those five. And uh, as I was listening to them, because I went into them just like totally blind, just from you uh, sending to uh, sending them to me. And my immediate thought uh, with the first track, Stag the Beetle, was that the vibe kind of reminded me of the two uh, Leviathan albums that Sanford had done. And then by the second track, 
uh, codependent uh, arsonry, uh, that was reminding me a little bit of the vibe from like Corrections House and Circle of Animals. So it was kind of like everything kind of met there. And then I started thinking, did Sanford produce this? Not that one, no, <laughs> uh, no. But he's been very integral since I started doing this. Like, I was just thinking like, I've been doing it for about a year now. And a year ago this time, I like had wrote, did my first composition and sent it to him and I was like is this good and he's like yeah keep going and so I kept sending him stuff and he was very influential on it but like I um spent you know for one like it helps when one of your best friends when you're teaching yourself how to record and one of your best friends is a producer certainly helps to have him on speed dial and then like just the stuff that I saw him do I like naturally would try to do it emulate it in here in my like completely ignorant way you know what i mean so yeah yeah, it's and him and i kind of come like it doesn't surprise me that it reminds you of that a bit because at the same time too it's like him and i like the first thing we bonded about was like skinny puppy and shit like that you know like um we're both old like rivet head dudes and shit so like because like in the 90s like when i was like i mean i like my first cds my mom got me were pearl jam 10 and psalm 69 the couple years before that i begged to go to see ministry at the Lollapalooza. i managed to get to go the next year and see like rage and allison chains and stuff when i was 13 um but like i like you know when you had like broken from nine inch nails like i kind of like i still don't know if i like pretty hate machine i like terrible lie but like i feel like the rest of that record's kind of cheesy dude so um but like broken from nine inch nails and then like those first few kmfdm records when they're actually like good you know before they turned into like a disco strip club band and shit and like (laughs) even the early revco and like pig face stuff like i i loved that shit in high school so like i was into that and like death metal and you know new metal this is the, it was the mid nineties. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you mentioned a uh, pretty hate machine. I've always kind of felt the same way about that album where um, the first time that I listened to it, it was after I had already heard uh, downward spiral and broken. Yeah. And I was just like, what is, what is this album? Cause I had heard um, uh, head like a hole on the radio. Like yeah. all the time. All the I hate time. that song. Actually. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always like the song that you hear the most if you're like a big fan of a band. It's the yeah. it's the song that you get tired of the quickest because it's the one that everyone knows. But uh, every song on Pretty Hate Machine, like I've come to decide over the years, sounds better live. On the album, it just Yeah, sounds, totally. Yeah. Like those, especially, that's why I bring up Terrible Lie because you'll see those videos of them opening up with that back in the day. And it's just like, it's like head smashing, you know? But like, I like, otherwise, like, like there's so many good melodies and hooks on there and stuff, but like some of the lyrics are so bad. And that's one thing with Trent sometimes where I'm just like, his like, actually I got, I got to give him credit for this because like, I love nine inch nails so much that when I'm writing lyrics, he, the one thing that bothers me so much is his need to use the words. I, and me, I, me, everything's all I, 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 me, 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 this happened to me, you know? And I like trying to like, when I write, not use that word or write from that perspective, like I, I try to be like more of an objective, like, like 
observer with my lyrical content you know because i always find it a little annoying but he's gotten way better with that actually in the last couple albums the last album um is is fucking awesome what is that one called um yeah bad witch bad witch yeah Yeah. fucking weird and cool dude yeah 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 that play the goddamn part which just sounds like a zorn song or something dude like it's really cool i'm glad i think atticus has been very good for him and then I, I think maybe he maybe he gets to get that melodic shit out and all those Disney movies, like those Pixar movies and stuff, you know, which I'm so jealous. He gets to do that shit, too. Like, how fucking rich can you get, dude? <laughs> yeah, and he's got like Oscars from that kind of stuff now. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That and from the David Finch movies that he's done. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think that's cool. That's super cool. Um, But we, OK, so back to we, t- we went in the circle there. So um. What else did you think of those songs? Yeah. yeah so, uh, so I like, I really dug them a lot. Like just the, the whole vibe of them. Um, there was another one, I forget which track it was specifically, but when the saxophone came on, uh, this is That's another codependent. One was, yeah. 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 yeah I, I told, I told Bruce to go full Miami vice for that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, I was thinking when I heard that, that, um, I knew that it was Bruce right off the bat. And I kept thinking that that was weird that like, I've heard him play saxophone so much now that I know his saxophone. (laughs) For sure. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. um, He's, he's super integral to it. Um, He like, I think the, if you go to like any of my streaming stuff, the song he did on my full length, that liberate song that he did with me, like that's the most streamed song that we have. It's probably because I'm not singing on it. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, I, uh, but the thing that I really dug the most was, uh, you know, just that it, the, the overall vibe of it was like Leviathan meets like dark wave, like synth pop kind of stuff, like yeah, post-industrial post-punk kind of sound. Thanks. Yeah. Did you go back and check out any of the stuff that's already released yet? Not yet. Uh, I've uh, I've basically just listened to uh, the tracks that you sent to me because I oh, wasn't cool. sure where else to go from there. Uh, <laughs> but I did see that you've got uh, LP called Lovers in Wartime coming out. Yep. Yeah. No, that's already out. Oh, OK. That's been out since July. And that's like all streaming. And then I had my fr- so I wrote that full length. Uh, Jeff put it out in July on Disorder. Um, then I put out, I'm, I, uh, so there's this guy I started working with, uh, Toby Verheyen. Um, he does a thing called Shadow Cartography. And I knew I wanted him to do my next record, which Sanford's mixing right now, actually. So um, he had this series of four like fractalized like nature images and they all like were very seasonal. And as soon as I got done with lovers, I just started writing and writing and writing again. Cause like, I don't have to like, the cool thing is, is like, I'm not doing this with anybody else. So I like get to do my tattoos during the day and then hang out my wife and daughter and then um, get to come down in the basement and just play with shit and learn stuff. So I just I, like countless songs were happening. So, but they all were kind of um, these EPs that I'm doing. I'm doing a, a I did an one for autumn called autumnal that's out and that one's got I did a Sam Hain cover on there it's got a real folly kind of vibe there's a song on there called lick and throw cardiology that's about um, werewolves on methamphetamines 
like I try to give it some Halloweeny vibes kind of thing, you know. And then this one you heard it's called Hibernal, and that's coming out next month. And Hibernal's for winter, so it's supposed to feel very cold, you know. Like I the um the first song literally was yeah I totally aped Whitehead on there for sure. Um, I just wanted to be like since everybody asked me about black metal, I'm like here's your fucking black metal song, dude. Like and then the rest you'll never. I don't think I'll ever do a blast beat ever again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, then um, and Dan Jensen, who's in that band Hive, who who he he recorded, he produced uh, Clawing actually. He's mixing and mastering that for me as we speak. So then um, I have one in the spring coming out called Vernal which is going to be um, four songs. Yeah, three songs and a cover. Jeff Wilson's playing bass on that. And I went, those songs are fully, they're very, very, um, they're very melodic. They're very space rocky. They're very much like being in the rain and watching the flowers grow. Um, there's way less industrial vibes to it, way more like Cure Meets Failure. So I could like explore that on there. Um, Will uh, Benoit from Constance and like he's in that band Psalm that's kind of blowing up right now. He's he's uh, mixing that one and mastering it. And then Summer is Solaris. Um, and that's just me and Bruce. And it's two really long songs with um and then and then a cover that I'm so excited about, but I don't want to tell anybody about yet. Um, but I play very quietly, a lot of just ambient stuff. There's very there's one song with some guitar, but it doesn't it's more about exploring tension and like space. So like it's more about giving a space for Bruce to get really weird and like super like nourish kind of vibes, you know, and then um uh, Scott from Kowloonwald City, he's mixing that one. And then Carl Sass going to master that one. And then the full length I just finished with Sanford, that should be out in October. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing yeah, a lot of shit. And I'm already got, I'm already four songs deep into the, the third record too, actually. So, yeah. Um, oh, Jeff and I are going to drop a digi split next month of a couple covers. That'll be really surprising and then we have a cures a cure covers thing coming out in june too actually i think that's it <laughs> yeah that's i want to get it's not a I, whole I, lot at all <laughs> no not at all and like i want to get i want to have somebody make coffee for me i want a coffee bag because i love that i like i actually got my health coffee the other day with this shirt actually um uh or like how youth code did that coffee with uh um Heartwork, did you see that? I haven't seen that one, but I've seen uh, a lot of the collaborations that like Dark Matter does, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I'm almost sober five years, so I'm like, can't really do beer. So give me coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you brought up that that um, the ice cream eating motherfuckers thing. So you you know Youth Code is right, Sarah. Yeah. So. Um, they put out uh they did a coffee with with um heartwork which is the dude from unbroken's um coffee company and on the back it says tell your friend fuck you ian mckay <laughs> 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 which is my favorite thing ever it's one of my favorite things so 
Yeah, um, back before the pandemic, you could occasionally, uh, I've never seen it, but I know a few people who've just seen Ian Mackay like bicycling around the DC area. I don't know if he uh, does that very much anymore, but uh, it's one of those things, it's like uh, um, people just like see it every now and then. It's like, okay, yeah, he's a regular guy too. Ian Mackay sightings? (laughs) Yeah. Cool, cool. Why, what are you doing in DC? What's your work? Oh, so um, I moved out here in like 2013 because I got hired full time uh, by a business news uh, company to write about K-12 education. So oh, I'm actually okay. a K-12 education expert during the day. Oh, <laughs> so that pretty much means stay home now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I've, pretty much been working from home since like March, 2020. Um, but like the upside, the, the silver lining to all of this, uh, not to, you know, discount all of the hardships that it's brought on like millions uh, upon millions of people <laughs> is that now a bunch of companies are just like, yeah, we're cool with people working from wherever. So yeah, you know, they, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, like as, as with all the hard, like, all the hardships, all the death, um, all the bullshit too, on both sides of the coin. Um, we, Mother Nature or whomever basically said, go to your rooms. And then I feel like a lot of the reset that's happened from it has been really, really great. I feel so bad for all my friends that can't like tour that I'm glad touring's hopefully starting again. Like glad my friends are getting to work again and stuff like that. But I think for music, it really spawned a lot of really cool creativity. Some of like all those records that came out this last year is so good, dude. Like so fuck so many fucking good records. And then like, you know, some of the new tracks that are coming out now with like them getting another year to work on another record are even more fucking incredible. And then like it kind of, I don't know, Dude, let's go back to Lars. Lars was, here's the thing. Lars was right. Like Napster, come on. He was right. Yeah. He, yeah. He gets to win today, you know, because now everybody's like, no, only buy my stuff on Friday from Bandcamp. Cause somehow before that, all their record sales were keeping them on tour in their bands, which is bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but now we're on some soapbox about fucking streaming and shit, you know? But I think it, even the playing field, artists should get paid. There needs to be something better, of course. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like fucking big boy, name one big band. They haven't been able to go on tour. Name one little band. They haven't been able to go on tour, you know, and all us little guys are just like putting out fucking music and working our butts off at it for the sake of like pure art. You know, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of come around more is like all these creative, like all these records are so creative and so beautiful because there's nothing to win. There's nothing to gain from like from turning out at something as quick as you can because you don't make any money off of it. So now it's back to like how good is this art we can make. So it's I think it's I think it's been great there. Um and then there's working from home like oh yeah 
maybe we don't need to have all these fucking people at the office, you know? Like, yeah, I, I suppose. And that could probably even help with things like infrastructure and like waste and stuff too, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, it'll, uh, hopefully help with a lot of uh traffic and congestion issues the last yeah, time had a lot of the um uh a lot of everything i mean there's there's just like infinite things that we could go on and on down that uh loop about but like you mentioned the lars napster thing and uh how he was right in the long run and i think that the thing that everyone overlooked about his position was that they made it all about the idea that he just wanted more money yeah, that he, he was, was some rich guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing yeah. it from the position of wanting the bands that were coming behind Metallica to still have a chance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, that uh he was a, it's <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interview with him where he goes, What do you think I wanted to be the most hated guy of that summer, dude? He's like, but now what do you gotta say about it, dude? Like, yeah, I mean, for for a band that's as big as they are. Uh, they've been pretty good over the years about giving like finding ways to give bands that were coming after them opportunities uh, if, if yeah. they had the chance to. Yeah, for sure. And they like, I mean, they would always pick the bigger things that were coming out of the underground, you know what I mean? But like, you know, like I saw Mastodon on their first tour in a basement in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then, you know, they, they're, they're all, they, they, they went out with them a bunch, I think like baroness they took out baroness and shit um blam a god like like now and then they pick some shit but like i don't know i i i don't know i love that band I, even at all their faults but i suppose once you when when you go through like i don't know being a real piece of shit drug addict for a while you can see something like that and be like you know they're kind of endearing in a way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um the the other thing uh that i wanted to circle back to was you mentioned um a lot of the uh the older trent reznor lyrics were like a lot of i and me kind of stuff yeah but i think that was like the 90s in general because that was most of the new metal uh way oh yeah uh, that's I was, true i was having like a, a conversation with a, a co-worker a few years ago about how like the only two bands that really kind of maintained their level of popularity after new metal declined were Slipknot and the Deftones. And they were like the only two bands uh, as far as like the big bands from that genre. That's not true. You can't discount Korn's success. Yeah. They've, uh, I feel like they've, they've waned a little bit more though. Yeah, a little bit, but they've yeah. stuck consistent and now they're like back with like even like like it's cool to like that band again with like kids and stuff now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um uh I I started to get back into them a little bit when the pandemic hit because I was like, I'm gonna check out some of the stuff that they did after uh after head uh, rejoined the band. Yeah, uh, I just remember them doing like a dubstep album a decade ago. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Yeah, totally. I managed to I managed to avoid hearing that entirely. But like, I don't know, like um, they one of their new songs popped up in my release radar the other day. Their drummer is a fucking hell of a producer, I think, and a hell of a songwriter. Um, and uh, they uh, they make really great product, actually. You know, it's it's product. It's produced, but it's like it's refined and distilled down to what it exactly needs to be. So, 
I can't, yeah. I can't like, I, I like, and I don't know. There was a, there's, there's a couple of really good hooks on those songs too. Like, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that I like to check that shit out now and then, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. They had some lyrical that, growth during that time too. Cause I think sure. part of it too was, um, uh, about a, like a decade ago around the time they did the dubstep thing. That was also kind of where I was at the point where a lot of their music still just felt like it was like being mad at your mom and dad for like grounding you or whatever. For sure. Or, uh, it's or like, raping yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> or like the kids at school like, being mean to you, but uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, um, the Deftones were smart and just, I don't know. Like I can't call white pony a new metal record. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. just, they managed to turn themselves into something entirely different that like, while still gets lumped into that, I think of them when I think of like, I don't know. Um, there's just like a dreamy rock band to me, you know, that has like this almost science fiction like quality to some of their music because it's well-produced and shit. Um, yeah. Well, they played up they were, all those sensual jams, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you remember, did you ever get into Willhaven? They were homies uh, with those dudes. Uh, you should check that shit out. They got lumped in as a new metal band, but they're all just straight up like Meshuggah style breakdowns with no double bass, just like slow plotting sludge. It's really good stuff. Um, yeah, Slipknot, like they tapped into something great for sure. So they never yeah. really win, I don't think. They, they managed to transition really well uh from new metal over to that metalcore period and yeah. they had the like the death metal and black metal influence with the blast beats and everything and all of their lyrics instead of being like i me like introspective stuff yeah felt more like it was just like someone ranting uh yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah no i love that actually yeah i'm gonna I, actually now you got me like wanting to go like i never really um have given some of that stuff a chance because like i hate the production on some of it it's so cacophonous and there's like like i don't think you need a dude with a dick nose hitting a trash can in the <laughs> studio like live it's pretty cool like it's it fucking great live you know but like i just like there's just like i can't like i can't it's a uh, too much noise in those recordings especially those early ones um um I forgot what I was going to circle around to you too. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to ask, uh, what, what actually like brought about, uh, Lotus Thrones? Like what led you to start down this whole path? Cause I know we've talked about all the stuff you've got coming on the way, but yeah. we haven't like kind of gotten to what the whole, I guess, sort of like impetus for all of this was. Cause like, oh, okay. I never knew before this, that you were like a multi-instrumentalist either. I thought I, I didn't I knew either. that you played drums. I actually kind of didn't either. Um, <laughs> I, I got a guitar when I was 13. I was never really that great at it. Um, uh, but I could kind of, if I like had an idea, I could kind of show other guys like what I was thinking now and then. Do you know what I mean? For like riff ideas and stuff. Um, so um, the summer of 2020, was my 40th birthday and my wife and I had this really cool trip planned I was gonna get like half my head and my face tattooed by one of my heroes out in, out in Oakland and like we were gonna spend a week in California just me and her daughter was gonna go to grandma and grandpa's like 
you know, and then all that shit happened. Um, and then she was like asking me about my birthday. And like, I had been thinking about like, I, I had been checking, I was jamming with a friend here and there, but recording sucks for drums. If you, if you know dick about recording, then recording drums sucks. So I started doing some research and looking at electronic kits. And then I started looking like, and then, um, so I got a, an Elisa strike kit for my birthday that year. Then, um, and that would have been in July. Then me and my friend, uh, you ever heard that band Lunglust from, from Boston? Yeah. Yeah. So Devin from Lunglust, he saw that I had that in one of my Instagram stories. And he's like, yo, do you got a DAW? I was like, what's a DAW? And he's like, a recording program. I'm like, well, I got GarageBand on my wife's like Mac, like Air, Mac Air or whatever, you know? Um, so he basically kind of showed me a couple things and we were just like, we were passing stuff back and forth just for fun, just some like melodic nineties, hardcore stuff. And like, I like immediately like remembered stuff from being around Sanford and then the stuff he showed me and then it being an Apple product and being highly intuitive. Like it was pretty easy for me to start figuring out. So then I bumped up to logic um, right around this time last year because like him and I probably started messing around with that stuff back and forth through email in like October um, of 2020 and then he got pretty busy with like um, like uh, he does a lot of uh, union work and stuff like that like um, advocacy stuff so he got really busy with that um, and he's really fucking passionate about it so I like um, I was like, oh shit, now I got nobody to like, I asked Jeff, I was like, yo, do you got any riffs you can send me? He's like, I'm really busy with all this stuff, you know? And like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck dude. So I'd be like, ah. so I um, was in my, so the impetus is that I was going around this time last year, about a year ago, yeah, right around this time, I, uh, was going through a heavy Justin Broderick phase. Like I was even listening to like Avalanche and like shit like that. Like, um, and even um, Techno Animal and stuff, like all the Justin Broderick products. But then I also probably listened to, I list, I've more than anything in the world, I probably listened to behind like Neurosis and those bands ministry and stuff. I probably listened to the Bad Brains more than anything. And, um, I was listening to Rock for Light and I was listening to I and I Survive, that first reggae track on there. And I just could hear it. I was like, I bet it, this would cool, be cool if Justin Broderick covered it in a Jesu style. And then I was like, well, shit, it's a reggae song. There's probably only two chords. And then, like, instead of like doing the ska chords, like I could just like do those with the delay and slow it down to about half the speed. So there, the tattoo shop back in South Dakota, when we were back living back there, we were also very depressed in South Dakota. We don't know why we moved back there. We're so happy to get out of there. So it's, it's highly influential to the record too. So very depressed. I decided to go buy a guitar at the pawn shop across the street from my tattoo shop in South Dakota. I got, I got this little, this awesome Squire Mustang for a hundred bucks. And then I bought it and I bought a, um, 
a MIDI controller, which I still use this one a shitload. I love it. It's actually going to be part of my live rig that I'm putting together right now. Um, then um, and a and an interface, and I kind of just like muddle my way through a cover of I and I survive. And then three weeks later, right around the end of January, and like I, I sent that, that's the first thing I sent to Sanford. Then I sent him a, like a couple more songs and he just like, like the stuff I was doing vocally, like I wish I could go back and re-record a lot of it, but I was just like, I kind of like di also didn't want to like, the I, I, I wrote that record and recorded all of it in three weeks from knowing like this much and just starting to pick up a guitar again. So I would like look up chords from songs I liked if I had an idea, you know, I play drums, I'd record them and I play over stuff or then I just like get out noise. And I think at certain points, like my limitations actually helped me be more creative because some of the, their arrangements on some of the songs on Lovers is like really sparse and, and pretty depressing. So um, yeah, it was, that's what, it just happened. I like, I don't know, as a creative, when you, uh, I personally, Sometimes it's a trickle and I, I've learned over the years, especially through tattooing to not get too frustrated when you're not that inspired, you know? Um, and then, but when it's a waterfall, you have to go stand in it. And I just like, I let it wash over me and just kept going and going, you know? And I finished that and then Sanford uh, mixed it and Colin Jordan mastered it. And then Jeff put it out in July here, so. Yeah, that's the impetus. But then we moved to Philly in April. Um, I actually think, yeah, I didn't, we were in our, I didn't get actually get the mixes and masters back till like May. So we had already been here. So, um, but I think I delivered it just before we moved. Um, and then as soon as I got that back, I uh, I'd saved some money and I like, because honestly, I was afraid I was going to blow up my wife's little little MacBook Air trying to run Logic on it. So many latency issues. It would just shut down, like the whole computer <laughs> and shit. I managed to make a whole record with it, like shutting down on me and shutting down. But I was fucking determined, dude. So I got me, I got a new Mac and um, we moved into our rental, which we're still in right now, but we just bought a place. And um, I got a practice space now, actually a studio. Um, which I got to move into next week so we can start practicing with my band that I put together to perform this shit, actually. Um, uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I saw a post about that on uh, Instagram, I guess maybe like a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, we'll get to that here. But yeah, I started immediately writing the second record. All this, And I like put a lot of work into that, actually, like that wasn't three weeks i actually kind of finished that up i was working on it literally to the point that i delivered it to sanford just before i flew there because i did most of the tracking here and then i went to chicago in november and finished it with him and tracked i retracked my vocals with him so that he could like coach me so because like i'm such a novice to it that i didn't know what i was doing wrong or doing right um we reamped guitars, played with some sound design stuff, and just like souped up what I did. Um, and uh, now I'm just waiting to get that back from him again. <laughs> um, eight eight new songs though, and it's fucking really weird. It's cool, and Bruce is all over it. So, um, 
but yeah, I, uh, I thought I didn't really, when I started it, think, think about like playing it live. Wasn't really a thing. I was just making art. There's no intention to it whatsoever. When I got done with it was when I like gave it to Jeff and like Sanford heard it and was like, yeah, I should put this thing out, you know, cause it's not, I knew it didn't suck, but I didn't know if it was any good either, you know? Um, but now I'm like, I kind of want to get out there and, and scream about it a little bit, but I like, I can't, I'm, I'm barely a guitar player at this point. So the idea of trying to sing and play guitar is frightening and i knew no it would be terrible like i'd have to spend the next two years doing that which is a waste but i um also have always wanted to just be a vocalist live so i'm gonna do electronics and like synth stuff all the synth and electronic stuff live and then um uh jason dost who he played in krieg he i think he still is krieg's drummer technically and he's in moros and uh sunburster he's playing drums for me um i got to know him when we toured with krieg actually um then uh dave grossman from rosetta he's gonna play bass and then one of his friends like they sent me the band i can't remember the name of it but he's this incredible guitar player so he's gonna be really fucking bored playing my stuff live but he's excited about it because he get, he said he's like i just get to hook up all my pedals so so yeah i'm um kind of on the hunt for one more other guy but i got a practice space now uh, a really nice studio so moving all the stuff over there soon yeah yeah how do you feel about um making that jump to like doing vocals live i don't know yet um don't i don't usually when it comes to stuff like this i usually don't feel anything till i like am in the trenches of it and even then like i don't know i've uh I think tattooing has really helped me to not be afraid because you really can't be when you're doing my job. You can't, you, if, if you start to get afraid, then you get in the quicksand and that's when you start making mistakes and nobody wants a mistake written tattoo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you only get, you get one sh Now you get one shot at it. There's ways to like, um, there's ways to back up your human error through it that you learn through the years, but you still only get one shot at it. So it's like, I just think we need to get in the room and work out how it's going to be live. I don't think it's going to sound exactly like the records. In fact, I think it'll be like, you know, like how Nine Inch Nails does not sound like, like they don't, their songs don't sound like their recordings. Like it's have it's like having two different bands. And I think it's fucking cool, actually. Like the, 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 um, the records themselves feel more like abstract paintings while live it feels more like a like a bulldozer you know yeah so, it's a lot more organic live yeah yeah and he always keeps lives drums in it and stuff like that so it's like yeah i just like with these guys i was like we're gonna reinterpret this this was this isn't you guys covering my stuff like i want us to make this into something else and i want it to be fun for you too so but at the same time i don't want to have to worry about writing music with you ever because I do not want to be constrained by by other people when it comes to writing for Lotus Thrones. I just absolutely can't. It, I have too much fun and I love it too much. It's like, and it's not even a thing that it's like my, my caressed little baby that I don't want to share because I obviously want to share it. And I obviously like, 
um, in a way too, that's like gets these other individuals talents involved in it to interpret it. But I just am so selfish about the fact that I have so much fun doing this to have to work on shit in a committee just sounds awful to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, what you were saying about just like the nature of creating things, uh, where, you know, you can't get frustrated when you only feel like a trickle, but yeah. then, you know, when you have like the waterfall, you have to stand under it. And it's like, there was a way that it was phrased to me when I was in college, like, I guess around like 2006 or so, uh, back when MySpace was a thing, I used to talk on there all the time to Gidget Gein, the original bassist for Marilyn Manson. Oh, cool. And he told me uh, one time that this is the best way that I've ever heard it phrased. It was the most relatable way that I've ever heard it phrased was that um, he didn't feel driven to create. He felt chased. So he could only like, he would have these times where he would feel like he was being chased by an idea and he wouldn't stop feeling like that until he actually like created something in line with the way that he was feeling. Um, so that, uh, like that I've, I've always kind of found relatable on my end, you know, that, that <laughs> gives me an entirely different perspective, actually, maybe. Yeah. I understand exactly what he means. Yeah. Like I have to make it like I could have a day where like, um, I, my daughter, we could be having a, um, a challenging morning trying to get her ready for school which is parenting is really fucking hard, dude. It's so hard. So, and maybe she got up way too early and like we finally get her out the door and like, I usually work in the morning and at night and I'll be like, just like already by eight in the morning, like finally dropping her off. I'm already worn out emotionally and I'm like groggy and tired. But there, if there's something happening, like if I have a song started or if I'm coming to the, like I noticed like when I'm coming to the end of like a sequence of a project, like a, a set of songs, whether they're an EP or a full length, like then I'm really like, I start, um, I don't sprint, but I like pick up the pace, you know? So like, I just, ha I'm like, I could be at my deadest and I have to get down in here and keep working. Then I'll go to the tattoo shop. Um, come back home, do dinner, bath time, bedtime, story time, like, and a kid will find 46,000 reasons to not go to bed. So, and even after that, when I'm about ready to fucking drop, when I'm in one of those modes, I still come down here till like midnight, one in the morning sometimes. And then my daughter will, usually when this happens, it's a about a week or so of it she goes through they, they all go through phases you know knowing that my daughter's probably gonna wake me up at 5 a.m again going daddy hungry i want chocolate cereal like <laughs> daddy i want to i want to watch gabby's dollhouse and at me going how do you ask dude and then she goes please <laughs> <laughs> but like enjoying those moments and then like being so tired but being so excited to continue to like work on this stuff so yeah and um you mentioned when you're tattooing like you know if you make mistakes you can't really like easily go back and like fix them yeah like, you learn how to you learn how to cover up your mistakes as you're going that's yeah. what a good tattooer does yeah <laughs> what's like the the biggest like oh shit moment you've ever had while doing a tattoo 
Oh God. Um, <laughs> well, my first couple of years, one time when I first moved to Western, when I first moved away from South Dakota to Western Colorado, I spelled, um, God, I'm going to murder it because I'd never learned Spanish, but it's Michoacan. It's one of the provinces of Mexico, I think. And like, or territories or whatever they call it. And I spelled that wrong <laughs> on a guy's lettering. And he was big and he looked like he was going to kill me. Then shortly after that, we moved to Denver and I was doing a nautical star and I like, cause it's like every other one, you know, and I fucked up in there. So they were like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, there's no change in this one. I literally had to say, I screwed up um, this free. She ended up coming back and getting like a full chest piece for me and stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what other oh shit moments have I had? I don't know. Um, those are the only ones that really like stick out to me right now. Yeah. Those, like, those ones the- always, those ones like made me from then on i made sure that the person wrote down the lettering and we checked it three times before it started and then now i always put little x's in the black spots as i'm working on the nautical stars if i have to do them so uh, otherwise i mean i usually like i don't know sometimes you just get to the end of something and you're just like due to circumstances like skin how the person sits like whether or not i got enough sleep you know whether or not uh my coworkers annoying me that day. Like you'll get to the end of the tattoo and you're just like, well, biffed that one. So <laughs> you learn how to, it, it really makes you good at moving on though. Like you're like, yep, that wasn't my best day. Time to try again. So yeah. How often do people uh, like actually notice if you make like little mistakes though? I don't know. I've had people, I like, you'll get some people that are like nitpicky and shit. And those are the same people that are like, you know, like they're waiting, they're yelling in the target return line. Do you know what I mean? Those people don't deserve tattoos. (laughs) Well, they're made by a fucking human, man. Like we're inherently filled with mistakes. So it's not like you can expect this like perfect thing. Like, and I've seen some famous tattooers, bad days and they're pretty bad, dude. Like we all have them. So everybody has bad days too so that's sort of the risk you take i guess but yeah i mean you have to do like, like a lot of dumb questions about tattoos too probably like oh I know yeah I've, I've probably asked you like a stupid question or two before <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't I think i, don't. I think what the one that sticks out in my mind that uh that i've thought about a few times over the years was back before i like bulked up a lot at the gym i think i asked you one time uh if i got tattoos before that if it would like distort them a whole lot, uh, if I like went and like bulked up significantly. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of asshole shit did I say to you, dude? I don't think you replied. I was just like, okay, that was that was so oh. <laughs> even worse, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was probably when I was at my worst when I'm like, I ain't fucking answering that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I actually like always intend to respond to people i always intend to but like i've just learned that i can't feel bad for like always forgetting to respond to people so 
Yeah, I need to get more of them because all I have right now is this Atlas Moth one uh, that Cass Knox did for me oh, when cool. I was in Chicago cool. in, uh, back in 2018. Uh, but I want to do like full sleeves and then maybe a chest piece, but I just haven't ever gotten around to it. Um, oh, but I, I want to like start getting that knocked out over like sometime in the next year or so. Well, you're, are you moving back to Chicago soon? Yeah, like just around like May. You probably just get tattooed by Cass. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I plan on doing. I was just gonna reach out to her once I move back there. Cool, cool. I'll shoot her a text right now if you want. <laughs> no, I've uh, I've, I've shot her a text uh, a few months ago because originally I was gonna do it back in like fall. Uh, move oh, back okay. up there. It just got delayed because uh, things just kept on like hitting points where I was like, okay, I need to delay this a little bit because like COVID would kick back up again, and I didn't want to like try to move during all of that. Or like things would get crazy with work or, you know, yeah. all the little you, things in life that delay things. Are you keeping your job when you go there? Are you doing yeah. something? Too? Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cause they're, they're uh, basically um, uh, open to like super open to remote work now. Uh, so it's like, I think there's like a few exceptions, but uh, they're just like, yeah, if you want to go live in Chicago now, go live in Chicago. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Long day. <laughs> I actually, you know, that thing I was telling you about where I was describing a difficult morning. Yeah. I was literally describing my day today, <laughs> <laughs> but I have this fucking riff in my head that I need to get out whenever we're done talking, but I'm not in a hurry at all. Yeah. But yeah, it, I'm exactly at one of those points right now where I like have, I have so many products finished, but I just can't stop making them. So I should, what I should be doing is learning, um, is figuring out how I'm going to program. I got a, I got a really great like Roland amp and stuff too. What I need to do is figure it should be doing is figure out how to program the shit live. But like, that sounds like homework to me. And I never liked homework, dude. I just like to, I just always just want to make the stuff. I don't want to remake the stuff. Yeah. Did you, uh, you mentioned Roland and, uh, I just remembered this, uh, this joke that I had in like high school where uh, I always thought it would be funny if a band that used a drum machine yeah. uh, just credited the drums on their album to Roland. Like, Roland oh, yeah, that'd person. be awesome. <laughs> dude, I, uh, dude, I, um, you know, the, do uh, you into Sisters of Mercy at all? A little bit. Uh, I think there's, I, there's like a couple of their songs that I've gotten into through like Grand Theft Auto because they were on oh, the soundtrack cool. for one of those games. I, um, I made so their drummer, their their drummer was Dr. Avalanche. It was just a boss DM3 or something like that. <laughs> but one day I'll actually send it to you. I actually um uh Jeff had made a joke online about somebody and being like getting advice from Dr. Avalanche. So I actually basically dressed up Dr. Avalanche in aviator sunglasses with like leather jacket and like a cigarette and shit it was the i literally like i wasted 10 minutes of my life on that like it's so bad i photoshopped the stupidest thing ever <laughs> what are you listening to uh lately i've been listening to uh the converged chelsea wolf blood moon album uh the new mastodon uh the new cradle of filth I love uh, the new Cradle of Filth record. Yeah, I think it's, it's their like good, their, their most consistent album in like a decade, for sure, dude. Yeah, I think for me since like Midian, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. 
it's like it's, yeah. everyone likes to crack jokes on that band because uh because they just like lean into like the cheesy like gothiness of it all but i mean that's part of uh part of the fun of that band for me for sure and i like i don't know like aesop from uh Agalock and like vol he described cradle of filth well he described um you know dusk and her embrace yeah he's like he goes it's like my dying bride at 45 rpm like it's fucking good dude i love those like i have a joke that says um i don't really like i don't really listen to iron maiden nor do i like them but when i want to listen to iron maiden i just listen to cradle of filth because they do (laughs) iron maiden riffs so much better dude actually because that's kind of what they all are they're all kind of maiden riffs but actually good i don't know <laughs> yeah well i mean i was um i talked to my dying bride for revolver like back in 2020 and uh in the middle of that conversation like it just kind of like clicked to me like every one of those like british metal bands is like super prosy uh just like yeah. all the the lyrics are just like super poetic and you end up with um uh especially between my dying bride and like cradle of filth they've got kind of like these spoken word parts that are just like mm-hmm. eloquently delivered and <laughs> or even paradise lost or anathema or any of that stuff yeah yeah like, yeah i i fucking loved all that shit dude i still love all that shit actually yeah i mean i i kept trying to get into the new iron maiden record last year and like it's good but they hit this point after um i think around like brave new world or dance of death they got super proggy and it's to the point where like now their albums are are drawn out to an extent that i get about like seven or eight songs in and i'm like okay but uh this is only like halfway done <laughs> jesus yeah yeah that's why i'm afraid of like i actually heard some of that like a couple of those new mastodon songs and they sound great but I like, um, I just am a, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that meal yet. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it looks, it looks a little overwhelming, but I hear it's really good. I don't know. The more that band sounds like Allison Chains, the more I like them personally. So yeah. I'm not a big remission fan. Like, I like it when they write fucking like total butt rock songs. I think they're great, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We well, you know, um, Black Sabbath Sabotage, like the way that that album, yeah uh it's really heavy and intense but it's got like those kind of like proggy and like psychedelic bits and some of the songs uh start as one song but they end as a totally different one okay um and it's just kind of like sabbath at like their peak of creativity yeah that like the new mastodon album uh when i listened to it i kind of felt like a lot of parallels with sabotage like on those kinds of levels uh, so I've, I've like really, the more that I listen to, um, Hush and Grimm, that Mastodon album, the more I kind of, uh, get like more set that it's like their sabotage. Oh, cool. That's yeah. one of the few Aussie records that I like actually, that I'll go back and listen to. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, that's I'm my favorite that. album of all time. What's that? That, uh, sabotage is like my favorite album of all time. Oh yeah. Sab- yeah. Like that that and actually sabbath bloody sabbath are probably like the ones i most the, probably my favorite aussie records actually um i uh i love the dio records on it i yeah. like on a, i fucking love them i really like dehumanizer 
actually. That yeah. Dehumanizer is my favorite Black Sabbath record. See, I haven't. That's the one that I've I've listened to the least out of the Dio ones. So I need to go back and listen to that one. I tell myself dude, to do that all it's the time. A fucking like it's a doom record, dude. It's good and it's heavy. It's so heavy. Um, um, and that song "Time Machine" that was in Wayne's World. That's on there. Yeah, it, it's a fucking ripper, dude. Um, I forgot how good. I forgot like that that stuff was good till I um. I went, we drove from Minneapolis to Chicago when I was living there and I went and saw Heaven and Hell, uh, um, Judas Priest and Motorhead. Ooh, I remember that tour. Yeah, I think Testament too, actually. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was great. <laughs> what a great day. Yeah, but they played Time Machine that night. I was like, oh, that's the song from Wayne's World. And I was like, wait, this fucking rips, dude. Like, makes me sure I owned a motorcycle. Like, but I'm too scared to ride motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh I've heard too many stories of of like people uh flying off of like the front of their motorcycle and just like yeah. playing in concrete. There was uh there was a dude in my hometown that I remember hearing about when I was in high school who uh, flew off the front of his motorcycle and face planted a trailer hitch on the back of a truck. Yeah. Did he die? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I don't Yeah, think he can survive that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Bald, bald right in the head, huh? Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I don't know. Somebody should write a death metal song about that. That's fucking <laughs> crazy. I mean, it's uh it's the perfect setup for a Cannibal Corpse song. For sure. Or, or a Metalocalypse song, actually. Yeah. Yeah, probably more fun. Dude, that new Cannibal Corpse this year was good. That oh, was yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, and I'm not really totally into that band, but, like, that was a ripper, dude. Like, I liked that. Yeah, yeah so many good records. What, what, what was your favorite records this year? Um, I would say that Mastodon, The Cradle of Filth, the... Uh, Converged Chelsea Wolf. Uh, the new carcass was good. Uh, no, it's not. But anyways, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> no, it's uh, I like the new I Hate God too, which uh, it's another album that Sanford produced. Yeah, I haven't gotten to. I I need to listen to that. There's like it's, there's so many things. Yeah, like, I dug the new Andrew WK, and uh, I always love Andrew yeah. WK. Never does me wrong. I don't think though. So. Yeah, it was just it, it was a different uh, sound for him for me because I hadn't listened to like his last couple of albums. And uh, what I is it? That... I know the, I know he has a thrash band as a backup band because I'm kind of the guy that the seeing red. He also who's doing all of my vinyl stuff. He's um he owns Redefining Darkness and they're basically Andrew WK's like backing band is on Redefining Darkness. I can't remember what they're called, but so is it like thrash stuff? I haven't heard it. It's like kind of like traditional metal like it's got oh, like cool. these sweeping like traditional metal vocals oh, cool. i love that yeah I love that. and i bet it's it's fun right yeah and it probably makes you want to climb a mountain and kiss your mom because <laughs> that's what andrew wk makes me want to do literally makes me want to like go like give my dog a bath and like play ball with my daughter you know what i mean do yeah, something happy nice metal my, yeah do something nice <laughs> for my wife and kick fucking ass while i do it <laughs> um yeah what were what, uh, what were your favorite albums from the last oh my year? favorite out oh gosh okay so 
that piecework from Kowloon Walled City, like I loved that. And that's what made me want to work with Scott Evans for those particular songs. Cause like I, when I heard that, I was like, this is how I want those songs to sound recorded. And I was like, oh, well, you could just contact that guy and have him mix them for you. And then they might sound a little like that. Um, that King Woman record, I listened to that King Woman record a lot. I fucking loved that. Um, yeah, I fucking dug that one too. That one's so good. Um, that EP that Human Impact did, um, at Chris from Unsane and then the bass player for Swans and stuff, like it's like we it's like basically it's like unsane on industrial and it's really fucking cool but it's just called ep1 um i uh what else that glassing record i loved that um fuck man failure put out a record so that kind of ruined everything else you know like that was way too good oh and i like how funeral mist drops a record like the last week of the year and it's literally the fucking nastiest thing that's been put out all year that record's fucking good so i've been i've been on a regular rotation with that um yeah you look at this here i'm stoked about the stuff that's coming out this year too i mean there's supposed to be like a, a new ken mode um I think at some point, one of these days, the Atlas Moth is supposed to record an album again. Uh, I'm always biased toward everyone that I know in Chicago because I right, love like every sure. single band that, that I ever got introduced to up there. Um, um, did you ever hear, um, there's this shoegaze record from this band called Cold God like g-a-w-d like that i was really into and then the one other thing i wanted to mention is um have you heard backwash Nah. it's uh it's super noisy like queercore rap music like it's fucking hard dude it's really hard like imagine a noisier dalek like a way like almost like death grips but way way better hooks and stuff and the dude is just unabashedly queer and just like fucking in your face with his rights dude it's awesome i love it i love it it's one of my that's one of my favorite things too like it's really aggressive and had a i just like bold statements that are antagonistic you know so yeah i'll check that out um i know you're an industrial uh have you ever heard the band three teeth like i got really big into them yeah no i love them yeah. yeah did they did they do a record this year no nah, i think they've got one uh coming out this uh this coming year uh they cool. did a song last year uh called paralyzed oh yeah that one's yeah. good dude yeah. yeah um i uh i'm excited for the author and punisher record this year did you hear that song those two songs that are out the yeah, total I just got into, into author and punisher like this past year too. Cause like I had kept hearing the name and then I finally just like took the plunge and like listened to, to more of it. It's been hit or miss with me, but like those two new songs sound like typo negative, but like way more industrial and it's fucking really cool. And then um, what else is there was something else. Oh, have you heard that new vein song? Nah. Or vein.fm. They have to call it vein.fm because it, that band is going to they out code orange to code orange like <laughs> as far as like um the good stuff like the really glitchy fucked up like serious beatdowns meets mechanics sort of like 
absolute fuck sci-fi fuckery like i'm real. that's one record i'm really excited about so but like i love i'm a hardcore kid at heart so i love a good beat down you know like yeah and theirs are really weird and then there'll be like tons of effects and then like it'll be like a like like a a noisy ass weird fucking sound i don't know you i'll send it to you you gotta hear that dude you probably like it i think you'd like it because there's even some um you know like how, how code does some there's a little bit of like good new metal renaissance in there like yeah. vein 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 touches on that the same way um like have you heard loathe no oh they're great too they're like they're these kids that are they have like total mashuga fucking weirdo time signature change breakdowns meets deftonesy beautiful parts and then straight up like bouncy like um like um like issues era corn like like boom and like that kind of shit like it's it's cool they sound really fucking like they, they sound massive yeah. but um all these kids are it's great because like all these kids um where like guys like you and i were like cut our teeth on thrash or death metal and stuff you know all these kids cut their teeth on new metal like in their junior high years and stuff like that before yeah, they yeah. discovered hardcore and things like that so like i mean i was i was in that group that was listening to new metal in junior high too because uh i'm like i think i'm like six or seven years younger than you oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so um what's cool about your generation and younger is is that i don't feel like there's that um I know some motherfuckers that listen to some motherfucking corn that will be like, oh, fuck that band. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. even went through my phase when I was like, oh, fuck that shit, you know, like where you try to like out cool guy shit, you know. But the cool thing about your generation and younger is like, I feel like that shit is by the wayside. Like they're just like, yeah, we liked this and we liked this and we liked this. So let's make something that kind of sounds like all those things. Or maybe they're not even trying. They're just you know they they're naturally influenced by all that you know or even like a turnstile who's like they sound like they honestly sound like a modern day bad brains to me like yeah they're not afraid to um they're just not afraid to do anything and and i think they write really great beautiful catchy hardcore songs dude even though it's not like hardcore for the hardcore that they're a hardcore punk band you know they're just like are, are using their skill set to the utmost level yeah yeah i mean like i um i think my my like entry point into like heavy heavy music uh when i was in middle school was like sixth grade follow the leader came out and then seventh grade issues came out and like prior to that uh just growing up i listened to like a lot of like Aerosmith and ACDC because that was what my oh, dad cool. was into. Oh, cool. And um, uh, I still fucking love like pre-rehab Aerosmith. Like there's there's like a oh, lot dude, of- Oh, dude, rocks yeah. is fucking hard, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like back in the saddle, like that re that riff on there is, is dope, dude. And that yeah. groove on it, like- Yeah, pre-rehab Aerosmith and Bon Scott ACDC. Uh, dude, power, fucking Powerage is like- I would I would fight anybody off to any song off Power Age in a parking lot. Like 
Yeah, but yeah, man, I I remember just hearing corn in like middle school, and prior to that, the heaviest thing that I had heard was like you know Black Album Metallica, because uh, I think that was probably like the heaviest thing that my dad owned, and um, like from from hearing corn like on, and then like Slipknot came out, and uh, it was just like, all right, what can what yeah, can right I around that like heavier and crazier? Because that, that would have been what nineties. 90s- so ish or um follow like 99 came, 98 99 yeah because follow leader came out when i was 18 so yeah. i still fuck with that record i actually love that record um yeah. got the life has such a sick hook on it we like um i just left this one shop i just moved into a new tattoo shop but i'm working with all these kids um that are in their 20s and stuff and they all love that shit so we go through like we haven't there was an alexa in there and we'd have basically like cringe hour where we were like where you would shout out like a new metal song you know and then you were like man this is they loved it because i'd get some deep cuts they'd never heard before but i'd be like they 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 they, they were all like even into like they, they'd throw out like gratitude from alien ant farm or like <laughs> a weird like incubus song and i'd be all you motherfuckers ever heard denial from seven dust you know like <laughs> um like yeah, Cold Chamber's Dark Days is underrated as far as new oh, metal for goes. Sure. Yeah, I, I actually here's here's the thing. Like, I actually like was thought I could probably get around to in this. That I like, I actually go back and listen to the first two Cold records once a month. I love those records. They have uh, there's a weird industrial vibe to them, you know. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, like. I think if you tuned them up higher from B to like D standard, it would probably sound way gothier than it already kind of does, you know? Yeah. Um, I do that with the first couple dope albums. Cause like if you, if you ignore the new metal part of that, they're basically like late nineties, like semi-industrial guns and roses. Like they, yeah, they had like yeah. that sleazy kind of vibe to them. For sure. I remember that about them. Yeah. Didn't didn't them and Static X's warehouse get rate like robbed during the pandemic, I think. I think so. Like I, yeah. I I'm not 100 like Forty-five thousand sure. dollars worth of gear, I think, got stolen or something. Yeah. I know there's the running uh rumor that uh the Edsel Dope is the uh the fill-in for Wayne Static now. Oh, really? Yeah, because the they've got um Static X now tours with a vocalist who wears a Wayne Static mask, uh, and his name is just like Zero. Uh, oh, really? But there's there's like a a whole oh, I didn't know that for the last year or so that it's Edsel Dope under the mask. But uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yet. I knew they had toured again. I just like n- thought that like they uh, I just assumed they had a different vocalist. I have never I haven't heard anything since what Machine was their second record, right? Yeah yeah that uh get to the gone that song fucking rips dude <laughs> yeah i like i mean i kind of i i don't know all the shit we're talking about people are like probably be like what the fuck you know but like <laughs> i don't know i don't really care anymore dude i like that just as much as i like want to listen to like a Merzbauer record too you know like yeah i mean people people get caught too much up on uh labels and shit like that for sure i like i don't know i like in that's one thing that I've tried to interject into Lotus Thrones, like that's important to me is that's which those bands had, but overblown because they, you know, trying to have like the, there's the pop sensibility to it, you know, 
I just wanted to make sure that like, while I, I wanted to write, I, I'm basically wanting to, I'm writing the songs that I want to hear and the stuff that I like is heavy and challenging, but it is also actually like, um, sticks in your head and is enjoyable to listen to and has some melodic form to it and stuff, you know, like, yeah. Um, that all those bands kind of a lot of them had that yeah i mean um when i was uh when i was a kid in kentucky the dude who i bought records from uh at the local record store growing up uh told me once i think when i was like 15 or 16 there's only like three categories of music that matter music i love music i hate and music that i I haven't heard if i'm stuck in a car with someone oh the one (laughs) i the the ones i heard was Music I love, music I hate, music I haven't heard yet was what somebody told me once. And yeah. I like maybe there's that. four categories. Yeah, maybe there is. <laughs> what was the thing about I didn't hear what you said about That's the car? A, music, music that I can stand to listen to if I'm stuck in a car with someone. Oh. Yeah. You mean you could actually redefine that as music you'd have to agree about. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the shit that works at like a tattoo shop and stuff like that so like where i usually don't get along with people a couple of years ago i gave up on listening to somebody be like heath do you want you want to put anything on and i just go you don't want me to <laughs> i mean like what i'm like because the least i'm like you're either gonna have to listen to three hours of the cure because that's the only thing i can think i could listen to right now that you could stand or it's gonna get real dark in here or I'm just gonna put on Justin Timberlake, dude. Like, what do you want? I'm gonna fuck you up some way. So you just guys just control the radio. Let's not yeah. fight about it. And that was uh, that was kind of the way that it was when I first moved out here, because uh, my company, when we were a lot smaller, we're in this uh, tiny office, and there was an aux cord, and uh, they would kind of take turns with who got the aux cord each day. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all don't want me to have the aux cord. I'm just gonna pass it on to someone else. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> The one day you're like, okay, sure, I'll take the ox cord because you're yeah. like, let me fuck you up for five minutes or so here. Yeah, I think they, they they made me take it on my birthday one year and I just played Motorhead all day because I was like, this is the most agreeable thing that I have on my phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went and made a Motorhead mix the other day because like I wanted to hear like, I didn't know, I... Like I wanted to have a mix that had Dr. Rock, but also had like um, that first song off or like Burner off Bastards, like those kind of those those records that like fucking Mickey D was like when he was first like the stuff off Sacrifice and Bastards where Mickey D was like just wrecking it like right out the gate on those first couple of records with them and shit. I actually like Bad Magic a lot. That last record they did that. Um, yeah, I love that album. Like uh, that, we will shoot out all of your lights when they're all die, 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 die. Like, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I've had you for about a, an hour and a half now. Uh, oh, wow. For too much longer, because uh, I know that you had some riffs you wanted to work on. Yeah, uh, so I do. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, plug before we get off here? I didn't really want to. I don't. I don't do. I don't do this stuff to plug, man. I just like to hang out and talk, dude. Like, you know, especially being like a dad. Like, and then there's the whole thing of like, we're always, um, but he's, I feel like I'm constantly just texting with people, you know? So like, 
I, this is like the time when I get to eat, you know, like face to face with a friend and like hang out and like talk shit. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, yeah, I got an EP coming out next month. I think around the 18th or the 25th, um, there'll be a video, all that shit. I'll let you know about it. Um, you've got, it's actually that song with the saxophone is going to be the first single off there. Um, and then two more EPs full length, all that shit. But like I said, I just wanted to like, I just stoked to hang out with another dude and talk about metal and talk shit, you know? So yeah, yeah. it was good catching up. Yeah, for sure, dude. Thank you so much. Those are all, are those all graphic novels behind you? Yeah. Yeah. It's just okay. like a whole bunch of uh, hardcover collections of like, Oh, okay, cool. There's like the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, like fantastic four. And then I've got like five volumes of like the first 180 issues of Spider-Man and all that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool awesome for a minute i was like this those aren't are those vhs's <laughs> <laughs> they're a little thick to be dvds except and then i'm like oh wait graphic novels dummy yeah i don't i either, I either have to look at tat puke or like i'm you know like like i'm reading books like i'm either about parenting or science fiction so yeah yeah i mean i, I remember um back in probably like a decade ago now we were talking about uh that true norwegian black metal uh photo book that came out yeah around then yeah i got that right over there actually yeah. it's getting, i'm packing to move into our house we just bought so that's all over there so that'll probably just stay packed because i'd like um i don't know if i want my daughter to see it yet because she's it's funny she's so girly and so into pink and being into princess shit but she only wants to watch halloween stuff and like anything with fucking skulls in it so it's like <laughs> i just think she'll like that book too much like she asked her babysitter to show her real zombies while we were out one <laughs> like like definitely my kid like full of fucking unicorns and shit but also just like Ugh. yeah but the intersection of all that stuff is like riot girl right kind of yeah in a way um also well with that i uh actually with introducing her to um i getting so she can get to know me like um i introduced her to a lot of stuff like that like she loves kathleen anything kathleen hannah i think mostly because kathleen hannah's like bah, 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 you know and like it's fun you know what i mean like but like i want her to hear like I play your Sonic Youth, like the Kim Gordon stuff, you know, some Slater Kenny and shit. Like, we just like, I want her, she's obviously going to get exposed to a lot of different kinds of art through me and my, me, me and her mom. Um, Cause my, my, her mom's a, she's a, we moved to PA because she's a, um, she's from here and she's like an old school first Unitarian, like 2000s hardcore girl from here. Like, um, used to yeah used to go to those church shows here in philly and stuff so yeah um but yeah that's the, kind of the stuff like in between listening to like story bots and shit like that like we got her into like you know bikini kill and then even like the runaways and blondie and stuff like that and shit so yeah yeah we'll see what she, see what she turns out to be she's gonna be weird as fuck for sure <laughs> she's my kid so <laughs> All right, buddy. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna riff and I'm I'm gonna go to sleep. All right. I thank you for having me. That was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Um. If you're still like um when I do the 
when my full when the full link should be coming out around october let's do this again okay right yeah awesome. I'll, uh, I'll hit you up around uh october but i'm i'm sure we'll talk between now and then for sure and i'll sneak as this stuff gets done i'll send it over to you for sure you can okay. roger riddell is going to have exclusive preview rights to the, all the lotus throne stuff so if you need to know ask him <laughs> if you care <laughs> all right homie i'm gonna go now